With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, good evening. Thanks for joining us and uh, hope everything is well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks, Paul. Everything's uh, going fine here. Just uh, taking in a nice Friday evening. I, I, you know, I was kind of conditioned to expecting a pit game, whether it be you know, football or basketball this Saturday. I look on the schedule like, oh, there's nothing tomorrow. You know, this is weird. I don't have to do anything <laughs> on this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing about it is um, there's, you know, the pit hoops doesn't play till Tuesday, and pit right. football doesn't play till September. <laughs> and Paul, I think I still, I, I know we talked about this before, but I still just think that was such the right call on the part of Heather, like and Pat Narduzzi, just getting out there and saying, you know what, we're not going to bother with this. Let the kids go, get ready for their holidays, and the, in the, the the guys who are ready to go to the NFL, let them get started now. Uh, Cause I think they're going to have a heck of a class in this NFL, in this NFL draft. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be um, the other thing is it's just a long, long season, right? I mean, it just gets to a mm-hmm. point where these guys want to move on and do, you know, go back home for a little bit, get refreshed and, you know, come back and get ready to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff that you got to get done in that process. Um, you know, and again, this is even different this year, Paul, because, you know, on top of getting up early to go, go in and practice before you got to do classes and everything, you had to do all the COVID testing. And then you were worried if you tested positive and who or someone else tested positive, were you close to contact, all those type of things. That, that's a lot to weigh on anybody's mind, especially a college student. Um, so, you know, I, I, I totally get it. And I agree with their decision to do that. So good, good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real, real quick, last one on Pitt. Um, <clears throat> you bring back Kenny Pickett, which I think was a big surprise. You add in a recruiting class that's ranked pretty highly. Um, you know what? All of a sudden, next year's prognosis is probably a lot better than people thought. Yeah, and don't forget in that last game, they, they finally saw the running game take over a game. I mean, even in the games where they were where they were expecting to dominate, the running game was, wasn't such a huge factor. But Vincent Davis put put together a complete game. You saw the offensive line uh, with some with some guys that really developed this year. Matt Gonsalves, who really stepped up, maybe the team's most improved player. Um, you know that you know they they were starting to put together some things. And yeah, you're right. Can you think it coming back? I, I didn't expect it. I was talking to Doran Dickerson. He was like, I didn't expect that either. Um, and uh, I think it's a it's a great thing for Pitt. I, I also think it's the right call for Kenny because. You know he's he's demonstrated that he's a he's a warrior. He's a gamer. He's gonna go in and fight the tough fight. But he still hasn't had the complete season that you want to put on tape for NFL scouts. Uh, um, and it looked like he might have been on his way to doing that this year, but then he had his ankle surgery and had to deal with that. This gives him another clean shot to do it. Uh, I, I think it's a good call on his part because he'll be better for it, and uh, Pitt will be better for it. Uh, and I do think it it does bring a whole lot more hope to Pitt season next year because uh, Davis Bevel and Joey Ellen, maybe one of them develop into a starting quarterback soon, but they certainly didn't show it with their tape this year. Yeah, well, again, we've got um, 
a lot of time to break down Pitt. Uh, we only got a couple days to break down the Steelers. Uh, you know, Chris, you you watch as much film as anybody. You you break it down, and not just you, you know, it's not just that you watch it, but you actually know what it is the hell that you're looking at. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to ask you, what is the biggest problem with the Steelers' offense in your mind? They need to get back to hitting people in those intermediate passes, especially over the middle part of the field, and. You know, Paul, I was looking at that Bills game live, and I just thought the play calling was atrocious. And I was like, oh, man, why, why aren't there receivers running to the middle of the field and challenging the, the, the linebackers to back off and challenging the safeties to, to, to attend them? But then Tuesday, the All-22 comes out, and I'm like, my goodness, they were there. Ben just didn't see them. I think part of it, Paul, is Ben Roethlisberger kind of worked himself back into the, the hole that he got into when he was playing poorly – um, you know, on his bad games over the years. And when, when Ben gets into a hole, he'll stick to his first receiver or he'll try to force it to a specific player that he thinks should get the ball in a certain situation instead of going through his read, understanding the defense and attacking where they are. There were several times I saw Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron, guys just walking down the middle part of the field. And, uh, and I mean, a perfect example, the play before Juju's pick six, where uh, the, the, the Bills just jumped all over the five-yard little slant and, slant and look back uh, route that he had. They ran a very similar juju route. And on that play, there were three Bills players in zone defense over the middle of the part of the field. They all jumped to juju's route. But what Ben Roethlisberger didn't see is Eric Ebron was, right, was, was like 10 yards beyond that, wide open with nobody around. And those are the things that Ben Roethlisberger was seeing through the first 10 weeks that he hasn't seen in the last three. I think part of it has just been the craziness, and you know, he might, might have knocked, knocked him out of his funk. But, again, that's part of what, what happens at the quarterback position. You know, sometimes you miss things like that. If they get back on that, Paul, it will force defenses to stop having to jump the underneath stuff as aggressively because then they'll start getting beat over the head too much by it. And when you're doing that, it'll also open up the run game because so many defenses right now, when they play the Steelers, their first thought is take your first step to the line of scrimmage, stuff the run, take away the quick slant, and make sure Ben Roethlisberger has to throw it deep because we don't think he can. He doesn't need to throw it 30 yards, Paul. He just needs to throw it 10, 15, 20, 25. You keep it in that range, he still has the accuracy to do it. You do that enough teams will back off and the ground game will open right back up. Um, that's the big question that I have for you is I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't think that Ben Roethlisberger is done or his arm is shot or anything, but can he make those throws? I, I think he can, Paul. The, the other thing I saw from him was that there were at points in the game where he wasn't stepping into his throw. He was kind of just like just standing there and just launching it with his whole upper body. And I'm like, ah, that's, 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 that's a little bit of a mechanic. Now, maybe part of that's because he didn't trust the protection in front of him. Maybe it's because of his frustration. But, you know, these, these type of things happen at times. You know, there are there's times when you go back and you look at some of the plays that Drew Brees has made, uh, you know, where he's made mistakes. You're like, wow, that's uncharacteristic of Drew Brees. It happens to all the great quarterbacks. They have bad games. They have bad stretches. Um, and, again, this new version of Ben Roethlisberger where he was cycling through his progressions so 
uh, you know, so fluidly this year. This was something we really hadn't seen throughout all of his career. He had often been the big guy that was the big playmaker, the gunslinger, the guy that went to the guys that he trusted in Keith Miller or Antonio Brown or Heinz Ward. Now he's been, like, through those first 10 games, Paul, we were talking every week that he had a new different receiver. It was James Washington or Juju or Chase or Deontay or Ebron or Connor, whoever it was, you couldn't fixate on one. And I think that that's been the problem in these last few games. He started to fixate on people in certain situations, and it made him more predictable. If he comes out of that, I think that helps him get his groove back. He starts stepping to his throws, and he starts completing everything. Because I'm sure when he was younger, there were times he didn't have to step into his throw, and his arm would get the ball there. Now he needs to have all the fundamentals locked in when he throws a football because his arm, it can still make the throw, but it can't make it on his own while he's hanging on, be, hanging on to a 300-pound defender who's trying to bring him down. He needs to you know, follow through with all the technique in football. And he did that a lot this year, Paul. I think there's no question that he can get back to it. It's just going to be about you know, how well does he prepare this week and how much does it pay off in game time. Well, there's no question. Did you happen to zero in a little bit on Alec uh, Highsmith and how you know he held up uh, in, in his first really extended action? Absolutely. I mean, Paul, the one thing is that he just, he just wasn't getting home, but he was creating pressure. And he was creating pressure in different ways. He is really quick off the ball. He dips his shoulder at the right times. He knows, he knows how to beat different hand battles. I, I like what I'm seeing out of the young guy, man. And I think he's putting himself in a really good position that with the team next year, we've all known that they probably weren't going to be able to pay Bud Dupree after this season. And I mean, Alex Highsmith, if he keeps playing at the level that he is, or, 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 or even if he gets better, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's like, well, I don't think the Steelers will have a problem just saying he's the starter next year and then either drafting or signing a guy to be the, to be the backup or you know the guy that comes in if Alex Highsmith hits a sophomore slump. But, I mean, he looks good, Paul. He's in position. He understands what he's doing. He's athletic. Um, he's quick off the ball, and he's and he and he's. You're not seeing him make the boneheaded mistakes that sometimes a rookie edge defender does make. So, uh, so kudos to Alex Eisman. He's doing a heck of a job. I think that uh, he deserves credit for that. Um, and uh, this would be a game. This Bengals offensive line is beat up. Uh, you know, it looks like Brandon Allen might not play. They might be down to a third string quarterback situation. He, he can probably show up a little bit, put some put some uh, sacks on his highlight reel, and I think Steelers fans will be like, oh, okay, I like that young guy. Maybe this defense is still the stuff um, because uh, he's he certainly got the talent to do so. Well, I think the thing about it is, you know, you got to just keep uh, a guy like that just needs reps, right? I mean, the more reps yeah. he gets, the better he gets, right? Absolutely, and that's the thing. It, it, he's learn- You want to see him learn. With, with, every, with every game. And it's a little tougher when you're a rookie because the game is coming so fast at you. Like, like T.J. Watt is a perfect example. His rookie year, he came in. He, you know, in the first couple games, he displayed several different pass rush moves. And then as the season went on, he kind of forgot the different ones and he started going back to his, you know, his, his bread and butter pass rush moves. But then that second year, after that experience, he started working in a lot of different moves, a lot of different attacks, where how he approached things. And that's when you started to see him become the T.J. Watt that everyone knows right now as the best edge defender in football, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that you that you can see that in Alex Highsmith is that he had more time this season to sit on the bench and come in and spell and then think about, okay, how did I work those reps? What do I need to do better? It, it might work a little bit better for him to you know figure things out if he gets hot against the Bengals. Maybe he carries that in the next few weeks. 
And, uh, you know, that, that would be a good way to get hot right before the playoffs. And, uh, you know, the Steelers, there was another number 56 guy who came in years ago red hot and uh, really helped them at a young age. And Lamar Woodley, it would be kind of a crazy if they get another one in Allen Sidesmith. No, uh, you know, absolutely. I think they've obviously uh, had lots of success at that um, at that position. Last one for you, Chris, before we let you go. Watching, you know, film, seeing what they, they do with the ball in their hands and after, uh, you know – Obviously, they have to catch it first. Who is the best receiver on the Steelers? Right now, from from my money, it's still Juju Smith-Schuster because he catches the ball and he completes the plays. Now, I think that who has the highest ceiling? It's Chase Claypool. Who could be the most dangerous in in this final stretch? It's Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay Johnson is is clearly the best at getting separation. He's clearly the best. I think he's the best at making people miss. Um, and when he when he figures it out, when he stops looking to make the man miss before he catches the ball, then he will be extremely dangerous for this team and a, a super reliable threat. But right now it's Juju Smith-Schuster because this dude goes out, and I know people don't like his dancing. I know people don't like – they think that he's, he's too much of a goofball because he's on TikTok. But when he gets the ball, Paul, like, there was a point in the red zone, he just caught it and barreled over Tremaine Edmonds. That's a guy that was a, a high first-round pick who was supposed a stalwart inside linebacker, and Juju just trucked him over. Uh, and, and he caught a touchdown in that game. He's a guy that Ben Roethlisberger can go to in the clutch, and he'll find a way to win. I, I think Ben needs to work some of those intermediate routes to him a little bit more um, because he finds a way to come up with things. And then, again, the, the small things that aren't even normally the detailed parts of being a receiver, you know, you, you, people might forget because they lost the game, but there was a point where Benny Snell fumbled in this game, and guess who was on it? Juju Smith-Schuster. He's done that at least two more times this year in, in key situations that kept the Steelers alive in a game. So I, I say it's Juju because I think he still has the most experience. He's the leader of the group. Um, but this is a very diverse group of talent. And, again, I think that a lot of things could change even over these next few weeks if some of these guys start putting it together. We may be saying, you know, Deontay Johnson by week 17. We may say, say Chase Claypool in the playoffs because teams might say, well, we got to cover – Deontay and Juju, and then Claypool goes off for some big plays. But that's why I think it's going to be special about this offense. If Ben gets on, he has a lot of people to pick at defenses with, and when he goes through his progressions, that's what makes it really tough to stop this offense. Well, again, uh, great stuff, Chris, as always. And uh, hopefully, for the Steelers' sake, they're able to get back on track and get that passing game going on Monday night. So, uh, Chris, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Paul. Have a great day. All right, that's Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm Paul Zeiss. It's 93.7 The Fan.